It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Podcast on MLB.com. Brought to you by John Deere. It is Matt Wehmeyer in today, joined by our prospects, Pipeline gurus, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. And gentlemen, uh, today, this Thursday, a big day because the top 100 prospect list of amateur talent in the country has been released on MLBPipeline.com. And guys, what I thought we would do today is sort of a a mock draft. Uh, We'll have you guys pick the top 10 or what you project will be uh, the top 10 in the upcoming draft between June 9th and the 11th. But of course, we have to figure out between the two of you, as I've appointed myself the commissioner of this mock draft, uh, who's going to pick first. So I figure what we're going to do to kind of determine that. I'm going to throw a question at you guys. Whoever comes the closest is going to have the number one pick. So the question to you guys, yeah, I figure it's fair. Uh, Can we defer? Can we defer if we don't want the number one pick? You don't want? Why wouldn't you want the number one pick? Well, we'll just see. Okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm always trying to work whatever angle. All right. Stop, stop being difficult right off the top of the podcast, (laughs) please. All right. What's the question? All right. Here, here's the question with the, with the number one pick on the line. How many pitches did Jake Arrieta throw last week in no hitting the Cincinnati Reds? So, Jonathan, your guess. Jim has an unfair advantage. I was watching the end of the game, so I have a pretty good idea. I'm going to say that he threw 117 pitches. Ooh, that's a good guess because that's right around what I was going to guess. I'm going to go with 116. Jonathan, 117. Jim, 116. The answer, 119. (sighs) Oh, Jim's so close. Jonathan is picking number one for coming the closest to our trivia question. So, Without further ado, uh, step up to the podium. Jonathan Mayo, make your number one pick for the 2016 Major League Baseball Amateur Draft. Now, we should make clear that this is who we would pick, not necessarily who we think, in this case, say the Phillies would pick. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, If that is the case, then with the number one pick in the 2016 Pipeline podcast, make-believe amateur draft, Jonathan Mayo selects Kyle Lewis, outfielder, Mercer. Very nice. Uh, you got to explain talent. a little bit about him there. Come on, Jonathan. And, yeah, i got to explain a little bit about him. Okay, well, he, uh, I think he, he is the best combination of college performer plus tools plus upside. Uh, tremendous offensive upside. Uh, should be able to hit for average and power. Plays center field right now. I think most people probably think he moves to, to right field when all is said and done, but the profile offensively should work there as well, uh, plus their ceiling. Uh, he hasn't even really reached his potential yet. Yes, it's a smaller school in Mercer, but he performed in the Cape. I'm not really concerned with the fact that uh, he's playing in a smaller conference. I think he's going to be a high-level impact player and there are not a lot of those kinds of offensive players in this year's draft class. 
Uh, Jonathan, besides the fact that he plays at a smaller school and a smaller conference, uh, any potential, not red flags, but concerns that you might see with him that might uh, have clubs shy away from making him the number one pick? Uh, I mean, I think the only possible thing is that he is not a, uh, a slam dunk up the middle player. Uh, you know, maybe if you want to really worry, is he a tweener where he doesn't quite have the speed for center? And if you don't think he's going to have the power for right field, then what is he? Uh, I'm not concerned uh, about that really when all is said and done. And that's why you know, I would take him here and why uh, his name has come up quite a bit uh, as a potential number one pick. Okay, so uh, Kyle Lewis, congratulations. The number one pick of the Make Believe Pipeline Podcast mock draft. And so, uh, Jim, the ball is in your court now. You've got the number two selection. Step up to the podium, and uh, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm picking on behalf of the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, I'll just say I, I like Jonathan's pick. I, I, I don't think – and, again, we were picking who we'd pick, not necessarily who the teams would pick. I, you know, it doesn't sound, even though we've got two high school arms at the top of our list and Kyle Lewis is number three, that the Phillies are going to go for a high school arm. And, and I actually do feel if the draft were right now, that Kyle Lewis very well could be the Phillies pick, even though he wasn't trying to emulate the Phillies. For the Reds at two – I'm going to actually – I, too, will not take the number one guy on our board. I will take the guy. I will probably err on the side of ceiling with every one of my picks. I'm taking the player I think has the highest ceiling in the entire draft who is number two on our list because there are little issues with his, his command and control and repeating his mechanics. But Riley Pint, unbelievable arm uh, on this kid, high school right-hander from Kansas. Hit 102 in the bullpen. Uh, at one point this year, he's been mid to upper 90s with the fastball. His power curveball can wipe guys out. He doesn't really need a changeup, but he'll show you a plus changeup, too. He can even show you a pretty hard slider. I'm going all ceiling. I'm taking Riley Pint over Jason Groom. Those are the top two guys on our MLB Pipeline Top 100. So I will take Riley Pint at number two for the Reds. All right, Riley Pint from Overland Park, Kansas, uh, the number two pick of uh, Mr. Jim Callis. And, uh, Jim, like I asked, with Jonathan's number one pick of Kyle Lewis, what are some potential concerns you have with the young right-hander, Riley Pint? Well, I know the industry as a whole worries about the risk of high school pitchers in general, about how they, they tend to get hurt, although all pitchers tend to get hurt. You know, personally, I mean, one thing that, that worries me, although he's athletic and it's not like the delivery makes you cringe or anything, I, I do wonder about high school pitchers throwing in the upper 90s or 100 miles an hour. I, I just don't know if your arm is built to hold up to that because it seems like an awful lot of those guys do get hurt. So I would think that would be one concern. And the other would be that, he, that he's inconsistent, you know, that we have Jason Groom ahead of him on the top 100. He's a left hand. You know, Groom's a high school lefty. The stuff's really good, not as good as Pines, but he controls and commands it better. So with Pine, I mean, you'd, you wish he was a little bit more consistent with locating his pitches. But I, like I said, I mean, especially since I'm not spending my own money on, on signing these guys, I, I'm going to err on the side of ceiling as we go through this 10-pick this exercise. Okay, so we've heard a lot about uh, Jason Groom, who was still on the board. Of course, uh, Groom and Pine, the number one and number two players both pitchers on this top 100 list on mlbpipeline.com so jonathan we swing it back to you for the number three pick is groom your guy or are you going another direction here yeah groom groom is my guy he's on the board no longer uh, this is working out exactly how i planned i got the advanced college bat with my first pick uh then i'm going with the uh the best guy on the board number one uh the most talented uh and he is a a combination of 
upside potential, uh, like you know Riley Pint. Again, I agree with Jim. Not not as good uh, pure stuff, uh, but his feel for pitching is what sets him apart. Uh, you know, he's got three above average to plus pitches uh, with with decent command and control. He's big. He's going to even get stronger, so he might add uh, some velocity in, in the future. And, uh, you know, so uh, he is, you know, there's the risk of taking a high school guy, uh, but I'm willing to take that risk at number three. Now, Jonathan, what we saw Jim do uh, in the previous pick, he had both Groom and Pint at his disposal. He picked Pint. You only had Groom at your disposal. If you had both guys, who would you pick first, Pint or Groom? Well, luckily, I don't have to make that choice, Matt. <laughs> That's why you're know, not picking. Uh, I think I would probably take Groom. Uh, maybe it's the left-handedness. Maybe it's the feel for pitching uh, that uh, is, you know, more impressive to me. Um, you know, I think it's probably uh, you know, the fact that he really has a, a really good feel for pitching that, uh, that makes him, that separates, for me, separates him from Pint a little bit. So Jason Groom, the big, strong left-hander from New Jersey, is the number three pick of Mr. Mayo. That brings us to number four. Back to Jim Callis. And, uh, Jim, we got a lot of position players on the board, a couple of pitchers still. Uh, where are you going with number four? Uh, I'm going to continue to just, just, just pound the ceiling here with my picks. Jonathan probably knows who I'm going with here at number four for the Rockies. I'm going to take Delvin Perez, the shortstop, high school shortstop from Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, we've got him ranked eighth on our board uh, overall. I think he's got the highest ceiling of any high school position player in this draft. You, you could maybe argue he has the highest ceiling of any position player in this draft. Uh, you know, there is a little bit, a uh, jury's out a little bit on the hitting ability because he's young and, and you haven't seen him against a lot of good competition, but. I mean, this guy's loaded with tools. It's plus run, plus feel, plus arm. Uh, you know, he has a chance to be a good hitter. There's some strength in there, too. Uh, you know, he's comparing him, you know, he's a high school shortstop from Puerto Rico, so naturally, you know, you're going to think of Carlos Correa, and I'm not saying he, he's nearly as good as Carlos Correa because, you know, Carlos Correa was number one pick in the draft a couple years ago and has definitely lived up to that. In fact, Carlos is probably even better than the Astros thought he was when they took him. But I'll take Delvin Perez at number four. I just think this guy has a chance to, to become one of the best shortstops in the big leagues down the road. Jim, does uh, Delvin Perez remind you of uh, anybody, whether currently in the minors or perhaps in the major leagues, or, or even a guy who played in the past? Uh, I don't know if there's a great comp I've heard on him. I mean, he's a tall, rangy guy who's going to fill out. I mean – Again, I'm not comparing him to this guy because I don't think it's a fair comparison. But, I mean, the, the, the projectable build, uh, the, the chance to have you know, several-plus tools and being from Puerto Rico, that reminds me of Carlos Correa. But I, I don't think that's a perfect comp. He's not a, a, a Carlos Correa. I, I would be foolish to compare anybody to Carlos Correa. That's a pretty lofty comparison to, uh, to make for anybody. Uh, Carlos Correa could be a, a generational talent, but uh, Delvin Perez – uh, could be something special, too. He is the number four pick of yours, uh, Mr. Callis. And now that brings us to number five. And uh, back to Jonathan we go. So, so far we've had uh, two pitchers off the board, an outfielder and an infielder. Uh, Jonathan, where do you go with pick number five? From what My takeaway from that last pick is that 
uh, Jim is predicting Delvin Perez to be the next Carlos Correa. I heard that <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the headline on the Pipeline podcast, and I did not say that. Okay. Um, all right, well, I'm going to stay with upside uh, and, and stay with the guy who's probably my favorite player in this draft class, and that is Mickey Moniak, the high school outfielder from Southern California. Uh, this was a guy who cemented himself as a first-round pick over the summer uh, just with a really good hit tool uh, plus speed. Uh, what's been interesting this spring is that he started to add a little bit of power. He's going to stay up the middle in center field and play it really, really well. Uh, you know, kind of entering this year, Blake Rutherford, who's another high school outfielder from Southern California, was thought of as uh, probably the, the best high school position player and certainly the best high school outfielder in Southern California. And Moniak has caught up to him and, and, and maybe even passed him by. I mean, he's one ahead of Rutherford on our top 100, and there are several teams that, that have them ranked in, in, in the same manner. Uh, you know, mostly because of Moniak's ability to stay up the middle. A lot of people think Rutherford's going to have to move to the right field. So uh, I saw Moniak play over the summer uh, quite a bit, and everything he hit was hard, and he's continued to do that this spring. Uh, so you know, to me, he may be the best hitter in this draft class. And uh, Mickey Moniak, for what it's worth, is on my all-name team as well, along with uh, Carter Keboom, Skyler Zinski, and Zach Lingenfelter. I think those are by far and away the four coolest names on the top 100. So Mickey Moniak's got that going for himself as well. Mickey, uh, congratulations. Uh, Jonathan, give me some potential concerns about the uh, the coolly named Mickey Moniak. Well, you know, I think there was you know some concern just in terms of strength and power. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be a huge power guy, but he's been showing uh, some more loft and backspin this spring. Uh, where there might be more. He's kind of tall and thin, uh, so he didn't necessarily have the, the frame where you're like, oh, he's going to add a ton of strength and get big and strong. I don't think he's going to, but uh, I, I think it's fine. You know, maybe he's more of a top-of-the-order kind of guy who, who gives you 12 to 15 homers a year than a middle-of-the-order guy. Um, yeah, I don't have a real comp for him. I think of Christian Yelich just because Yelich was another tall, thin Southern California guy. But I think Moniak's uh, power potential might be better than Yelich's. Okay, so that brings us to uh, pick number six and back to Jim Callis we go. And uh, Jim, of the top five so far, four of those uh, on the high school level, only the number one pick of uh, Jonathan's, uh, Kyle Lewis of Mercer, is a collegiate talent. So with pick number six, are we going uh, college or are we sticking with high school here? Well, I'm going to ask both you guys a question before I make my pick. One, Matt, I, I can't – I'll just make a statement for you, Matt. I cannot believe you overlooked T.J. Zoik as a great name oh, in the top yeah, 100. It's I, terrible I on one. your part. I know. And then, Jonathan, before I make my pick, because I know who I'm picking, but uh, I'm going to take Corey Ray. Well, I guess not before I make my pick. I'm going to take Corey Ray from Louisville, a college guy. Why Mickey Moniak over Corey Ray for you before I, I talk about taking Corey Ray here? Some of it is just familiarity, you know, because I've seen Moniak. I haven't seen Ray. Um, I, I just uh, I think I'm more convinced that Moniak is going to be uh, a, an impact guy up the middle. Um, you know, I, I'd like to hit tool a little tiny bit better than Ray's. But, uh, you know, I, I could have gone either way on that one. I, it's, a, it's a fair question. 
Oh, yeah, well, I wasn't questioning. I was just curious because they're both center fielders, and those probably are Moniac strengths compared to Corey Ray. I, I think I still would have probably taken Corey Ray over Moniac had I been picking fifth instead of sixth, so I'll be happy to take him at six. Uh, you know, Corey, a great summer last year with Team USA, you know, very good career at Louisville, consistently productive. You know, I think the big question on him, and depending on who you talk to, you get different answers. You know, he's not played a lot of center field at Louisville. They've had faster players that they've deployed in center, even though he's a plus runner. And I talked to some guys who think he can play center, and the guys who think he can play center at the big league level really, really like him. And there's others who think he's more of a corner outfielder, and that might push him to, you know, he's played a lot of right at Louisville. You know, his arms average, he might actually wind up in left. So those guys, if you think he's a left fielder, you like him less. But regardless of where he winds up, I, I like the offensive potential for him. I, I think up there, you know, very close to Kyle Lewis, maybe a tad less power, but you feel like this guy's going to hit for power and average. He's got a good track record, uh, knows how to steal some bases. Uh, you know, anyway, we'll see. I think he's athletic enough. You at least give him a chance to play center field on an everyday basis. You, you might have a, a 275, 280 hitter here with 20 homers, and if you could keep him in center field, you'd be really excited to have that type of player. So definitely a lot to like about Corey Ray, the Louisville outfielder for Jim's pick at number six. Uh, one or two areas, Jim, that may concern you about Ray? Um, you know, I, I don't really know if there's a major concern for me because I think the bat would play even if he winds up in left field. He's hit better against left-handers this year. He, like I said, I mean, he was he had the best overall numbers of anybody on that, that talented Team USA club last year. He, he's hit at Louisville. He's having a good year. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, if if you want to nitpick, you, you wish you had more body of work to evaluate in center, so you'd have a better feel for whether he could play there. You wish maybe that the arm was stronger, so that if you can't play in center, you'd feel like yeah, he's a definitive or a definite right fielder. But I, I don't think there's any glaring red flag with him. I, no, nothing that would concern me. To me, the worst-case scenario is if, even if you put him in left field, I, I think the bat plays in left field. So I, I'm, I'm fine with that. And if he plays in center, then you have a really, really good player. All right, we're coming down to the final four picks of the Mock Pipeline podcast draft, presented by John Deere, of course. Uh, Jonathan, back to you for pick number seven. Where do you go with this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head back to the mound. I'm going to pick up another lefty, and I'm going to – maybe it's rolling the dice a little bit, but I'm going to take A.J. Puck from Florida. Uh, you know, he's very much in the mix for, for the actual number one pick by the Phillies come June. Uh, he's been a little enigmatic. Uh, you know, people may look at him and see, well, you know, he's a Saturday starter. He's not even the number one starter on his own college staff. But uh, stuff-wise, you know, this is what you want at the top of the draft. Big, strong lefty, uh, you know, chance to have three-plus pitches. Uh, two are, are, are above average plus now. Uh, there's been, you know, some, some hiccups along the way. Hasn't always dominated like you, you would want him to. Um, had a small back spasm issue earlier this spring, which isn't that big of a deal. But anytime you're talking about, a, you know, a, especially a tall pitcher, and there's a back thing, you worry a little bit. I actually think he, in his last start against Georgia, was about as good as you can be. Now, Georgia, uh, no offense, Jim. Be careful uh, here. Be careful. They're, they're, they're not 10. a, a juggernaut. Uh, they're not the toughest competition 
Florida's going to face in the SEC. Let's just put it that way. But he did what he was supposed to do, struck out 10, uh, didn't give up many hits. I don't think they squared a ball up really the, the whole time. But if he puts a few more of those starts together, I think he's the number one pick because you know, he's the kind of guy who can be kind of quick to the big leagues uh, because the, the pure stuff is, is so good. So uh, I, I didn't want to quite roll the dice at the very, very top because of some of those semi-question marks. But at seven, uh, the, uh, the potential there is, is, is too great for me to let him go any further. And we'll see if the Phillies uh, feel the same way come June. A potential number one pick uh, in this draft. He is number seven of uh, Jonathan Mayo. Jim, back to you for pick number eight. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on what Jonathan said. I, I agree with him on Puck. I think – I really think that's the guy the Phillies want to want to step up and say, I'm your number one pick. And if he finishes strong, I think he will be their number one pick. Um, although, like I said earlier, I think if, you know, based on the inconsistency he's shown this spring, you know, still averaging less than five innings a start, I think Kyle Lewis might be the number one pick if the draft were held right now. Uh, picking at eight, it's like now here's where it gets a little tough because it's it's like I don't see any clear guys. You know, we've we're kind of picking the guys off the top of the the MLB pipeline uh, list. You know, we're kind of picking them in order. I'm going to take Nick Senzel, the third baseman at Tennessee, and I and I both like this pick, and at the same time wish there was somebody a little better here for me at eight. Uh, what I like about it is he might be the best pure hitter in college baseball. Uh, tremendous summer. He, he was won the top prospect award from scouts and was MVP in the Cape Cod League last summer. Led them in a variety of categories. Uh, you know, he, he uses the whole field. He's got strength. He's got bat speed. He's got a good right-handed swing. So you feel you feel like this guy's definitely a hit for average. His approach is not real conducive to in-game power, and he's only got about four or five home runs so far this spring. If you watch him in BP and you look at the bat speed and strength, there's at least average power in there. He hasn't turned it loose yet. I wish you saw the power a little bit more. I feel a little bit better about the pick at eight. Um, his numbers in SEC play have not been great this spring. Uh, although he's not on a very good team, and I think he's getting pitched around a lot, but I, I wish he was thriving a little bit more in SEC play than he has. Um, I guess I'm anticipating, Matt, you asking me what would concern me about him. Um, the, the, well, another positive for Nick is coming into the year, there are a lot of questions about him as a third baseman. He was a DH as a freshman, second baseman as a sophomore. I, I talked to some scouts for the year who, who really questioned, you know, that this guy might be more of a left fielder. But he's looked good there. I mean, not to the point where, where you're just saying, okay, he can play third. I think he can be a solid third baseman based on what I'm hearing. He's shown good hands there. He's always had arm strength. He, he's got enough range. So I'm looking at Senzel as a guy who can definitely stay at third base and hit for a high average. And I'm hoping that he's got, you know, at least 15, 18 home run power in there that I'll see more as he moves up to the next level. Um, and, and after him, I, I think there's a pretty big drop-off position player-wise, uh, especially on the college side. Uh, so I'm taking Nick Senzel at number eight. Okay, heading down the home stretch of our 10-pick draft. Uh, pick number nine goes to Jonathan Mayo. And, Jonathan, who you got? Jim, completely throwing away the I'm going to go for ceiling in this mock draft. <laughs> He's got ceiling. Right He's got ceiling. Well, you know, Come Jonathan, I'll let you, I don't know who you're going to pick, but if you're picking for the Tigers at nine – 
We've got to give you whoever the hardest thrower on the board is, right? But we're not picking what we think the Tigers <laughs> were picked. That's so true. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I've, I've been torn. There are two guys uh, I'm thinking of, the both high school guys. Uh, but when push comes to shove, if I'm going to go for the guy that I think has the most upside, um, and I know I've already picked two outfielders, but I'm going to pick another one. I'm going to take Blake Rutherford. Um, you know, uh, this is a guy who I think some people thought that if he had a, a huge spring, he, you know, this is way back when we did our, uh, our top 50 in the fall uh, after he had a, a, a very good summer on the showcase circuit that, uh, he could be the kind of high school position player who could put himself uh, in contention for that number one pick. Now he's had he's been fine, uh, but he he hasn't been uh, that kind of separator that, that people thought. I saw him in the NHSI. He had a, a good tournament there. Uh, you know, one of the things that's hurt Rutherford is, is just a little bit of prospect fatigue. This is a guy who's been on radars for a long time. He played for the 18 and under national team two years in a row. So he played as an underclassman and again this, uh, this past summer and fall. So he's been seen a lot. And sometimes with guys like that, it's just it, it's impossible uh, to raise your stock because you're, you're not going to get any better. Uh, there's still some considerable tools. Uh, you know, talking to scouts, you still think he's one of the best all-around bats in the country. Uh, he's playing center field now. It's up in the air whether or not he can stay in center. He's got good speed, but he's not a burner. He probably ends up in right. Now, the good thing is that I think there's more than enough power potential there where he, he could be a very athletic, above-average defender in right who hits for, for average in power and, and even steals a few bases uh, along the way. Uh, the only other knock about him is that he's 19, uh, and you know people make a big deal out of that uh, compared to some of the other people in the draft class. So, uh, at least a full year older than the Mickey Moniak, for example, uh, you know, but uh, there's nothing that he can do about that. He can only go out and compete against who he's competing. So I think some people would like to have seen him uh, be a man, you know, man amongst the boys more consistently. Uh, but he's still 19. It's not, he's not 26. So I'm perfectly fine taking him at number nine. Okay, so uh, Jonathan, you've made your five picks, and Jim, you've got four. So, Jim, with the final pick of the Mock Pipeline Podcast MLB 2016 draft, Jim Callis selects. I'm going to take Dakota Hudson, a right-hander from Mississippi State. And, again, I'm not afraid of ceiling or high school pitchers. There's a number of high school pitchers I could have picked here. Ian Anderson, Joey Wentz, Forrest Whitley, Braxton Garrett. Um, and I'm not shying away from them because they're high schoolers. I, I'm just taking Dakota Hudson because I, I think he's a little bit better than those guys. I don't even think Dakota Hudson's going to last 10 picks because he's, to me, clearly the number two college arm in this draft, he, and he's been more consistent than A.J. Puck this spring. And, and the college arms tend to, to, to get pushed up boards a little bit. So if this was the real draft um, and I, I was sitting there running the draft for the White Sox and I saw Dakota Hudson at 10, I'd be very excited to get him there. Um, this is a guy who, because he didn't have a lot of polish, only pitched 34 innings in his first two years at Mississippi State, was kind of in their bullpen, went up to the Cape Cod League, looked great last summer, and has come out and as a starter this year and been terrific all spring. Um, he's got two pitches that are well above average. It's one of the best one-two combinations in the draft. He can go get a, you know 93-97 with the fastball, with run and sink and, and just all kinds of life. And that's not even his best pitch. He's got a 
you can call it a slider, you can call it a cutter, but it really has the best features of both. It's upper 80s velocity, like from a cutter, but yet it's got true slider break, and that's about as good a breaking ball as it is in this year's draft. He also has a curveball and changeup to give him a four-pitch mix, uh, throwing more strikes this year. I don't think anybody worries anymore about whether he'll throw enough strikes to be a starter. He's got a durable six-foot-five frame, so you don't worry about him holding up, and, there, and there's low mileage on the arm. And if for some reason he can't make it as a starter, I think the fallback position, and not that you'd want to draft this at 10, but, but I mean, it's easy to look at this guy and say, well, the worst-case scenario is he becomes a closer because in shorter stints, you might have 270 pitches on the 20 to 80 scale, and he could just fastball and cutter you to death. So I, I really like the Code Hudson. Um, but well, you know, I think if this was a real draft, like I said, and I was picking 10th for the White Sox, and Dakota Hudson was on the board, I'd be pretty excited. Gentlemen, a job well done as always. And fans, don't forget, you can get uh, the complete top 100. This is just one-tenth of that list at uh, MLBPipeline.com. Again, get the full 100 on the website and share your thoughts about uh, all 100 prospects hoping to make their major league dreams a reality uh, come this June in the 2016 draft. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, Matt Waymeyer signing off for the Pipeline podcast on this Thursday, April 28th, presented by John Deere. <laughs>